When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 301 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. I feel like I said that really fast. I think you're okay. I guess I'll find out when I when I uh, edit this all together. Uh, yeah. Um, it is now just about the middle of January. It is. Wait, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday because I'm about to do all my house things. And we have experienced, we haven't given you guys an update of, on weather in a while here. Uh, we experienced like a 40 degree swing in the last 24 hours. And it's... I can't handle it. <laughs> it's a lot. I got my car washed yesterday morning. This is all my fault. I keep telling everyone this. I got my car washed, and then it proceeded to rain like crazy, and then turned into snow yep. and wind. Just It's one of those days where all I want to do is read, and I, I'm not getting my wish because it's no. a busy day. Yeah. That's okay. Um, before I, I die... you say that like if it wasn't a busy day. <laughs> yeah, just sit around and read. <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> People probably th- assume at Overdrive that's what we do. Like, oh, so if you're not, like, filling out spreadsheets or carts, I bet you're just reading all day. I mean, with audiobooks, kind of. Audiobooks, that's kind of true. Yeah. And there's only so many things I can do with audiobooks. Me too. Joe and I both write a lot for the company. Can't do audiobooks with that. I will say that in the past year since I switched teams, yes, my audiobook at work number has decreased. Has, dwind- has dwindled. Um, yeah. That's okay. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, how can they do all those things? They can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. There you can get links to all of our social. We are on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can join our Viber community from there. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Yes, you can. And I made Joe create a highlight for us on Instagram um, because we don't, we're not really good at like every episode talking about what you and I are reading. Um, so if you're curious about what we've been reading all year long and we'll be reading, we're going to add to our Instagram story, the books that we're reading, and then we'll save it as a highlight. So if you go to our, uh, our Instagram page, you'll see a highlight of those. And you also see our, uh, 30 day book challenge stuff mm-hmm. as well. Uh, today's episode is an interview I did with Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. They are the, uh, authors of An Anonymous Girl, which comes out, I want to say tomorrow at time of release, because this will be a Monday. I'm all confused with days. Um, Hilariously, when I was recording with them, I had the proper day, but I said the wrong thing like as a part of the intro to them, and they're both like, well, you actually said a few days before it comes out. I was like, well, people can go put it on hold and and go pre-pub and pre-order it. Um, You only need to do that. This book's going to be absolutely everywhere. Yes. Yes, I will. Uh, It already is like one of the top selling things in our marketplace um it's gonna make so much it's it's gonna be everywhere it's it's so good it's like gone girl uh girl on the train anything that has girl in it that's really good this one is also along the same lines um, but they're the way that they write is really interesting they don't live in the same place and we just yeah we had, it's a really good conversation they talk all about the book i don't like talking about the plot like we said right. a couple of episodes ago because i don't want to give away anything yeah but. Um, if you like thrillers and suspense type things, this is a really quick read. 
also, yes. because there are two authors, mm-hmm. it counts towards the Professional Book Nerds Reading Challenge. That is an incredible point. This is absolutely a collaboration. I didn't even think about that. Wow. Nice job, Joe. Thanks. You're welcome. If you guys haven't started our reading challenge yet, you can find that as well on our various social medias and our website. Um, yeah, just print it out or screen grab it, whatever you want to do. Uh, anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. Okay, awesome. Well, I loved this book. I loved this conversation, and I hope you guys will as well. So enjoy this interview with uh, Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Adam again, and today I'm joined by both Gear Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen, who's, uh, who are the best-selling co-authors of The Wife Between Us, which spent about three months on the New York Times bestsellers list and has been optioned by Amblin Entertainment. And their second thriller, An Anonymous Girl, will be released on January 19th. And I have to tell you both, I'm about two-thirds of the way through it, and I feel like I literally can't breathe while I'm reading each chapter, so I think that's a good thing. So Greer and Sarah, thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Um, just FYI, the book is actually January 8th. We're so excited, but it's in three weeks from today. So, Oh, you're right, because that would be a Tuesday. Yeah, that, I goof. That's a publishing day. That's on me. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone to have to wait if they can get it sooner. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's just say, let's just say this. As soon as people hear this, they should pre-order it so they can go, and it'll be waiting <laughs> for them on the day it comes out. Thank you. So normally, what I I do is I have people start with talking about the book, and we'll get to that in just a second. But I do want to give a, a preface, to everyone. All three of us are in different places, so you may hear us talk over each other just a little bit. But because you guys are writing these books together, can you maybe kick us off on by telling us sort of how that relationship got started, you know, how you decided to co-author things, how you met and all, all that good stuff? Um, sure. Sarah, should I, this is Greer, should I, should I take this one? Take it away. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, I was a book editor for 20 years, and Sarah was um, one of my authors. And we worked on seven books together. And over our time together, um, as author and editor, we discovered we had a number of uncanny similarities. So we had both played field hockey in high school. We were both the exact same age. We're both terrible cooks. We both had studied psychology and journalism. We both are really close to our brothers, who are both named Robert. So it was very strange. Um, and then when I decided to leave corporate publishing, in the back of my mind, I wanted to write, but... I wasn't really telling many people, but because Sarah and I had gotten so close, I I confessed this desire to her. And she said, let's write a book together. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it was, you know, I knew Greer's reputation um, when I was playing around with the idea of writing a novel myself. And um, I knew, you know, she had edited a lot of authors I loved and so when she decided to buy my first novel, um, it was fantastic. But what surprised me was that, you know, she was somebody I would have wanted to be friends with had we met in any other circumstances. We just hit it off. As we said, we began to have long dinners together. We really developed this close friendship. And when Greer was leaving corporate publishing, it was around the time that I was kind of thinking, you know, it would be fun to do something a little different. I'd written a lot of uh, traditional women's fiction novels, which I loved, 
but in the back of my mind, I was itching to write a psychological thriller, and as it turned out, Greer had the same itch, so it, it kind of seemed predestined in a way. So, as we're discussing the fact that you guys are in two different places, I, the, the thing that really, really fascinates me is I've, I've spoke with authors who have co-authored books before, and interviewed a few actually, although admittedly we were all in the same place, um, but... Yeah. Um, you guys write your stories all together, but while mostly while you're in different locations, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was yeah. I think we we went into this uh, partnership really impulsively and excitedly, and we hadn't really thought about the logistics because Sarah is right outside DC and I'm in Manhattan. Um, so we were like, okay, we want to do this, and then the question was, well, how are we going to do this? Um, so. <laughs> A few years, um, this was a few years ago, and I, I feel sort of foolish admitting this, but I had, didn't know what Google Docs was or Google Hangouts, but our, my daughter, who was then 13, was like, well, here, Mom, there's this great technology, <laughs> and you and Sarah can be in different cities looking at the same, you know, at different screens, but it's going to show the same material, and you guys can talk on the phone through your computers. Um so that is that that we joke that you know basically Google is the third partner in our relationship. <laughs> I mean, I I know that you know writing together you know, when mo- both people are talented authors and talented writers, it it can work. But I feel like something that has to be very unique, especially when you're writing kind of every single line together, is it seems like you know you have to be more than even copacetic, like you have to take your egos and check them at the door to understand, you know, if I say something about a line that's been written, it, it's not to be harsh. Like I just feel like there has to be mm-hmm. a certain type of relationship that you two appear to have to make this work as well as it does. Definitely. I mean, I think it starts with the foundation of friendship and respect. Um, but we, we do have occasional, you know, differences in just like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? But it's never in a combative way. It's, you know, we, we always say there are no bad ideas. That's really important to us that the other feels the sense of safety. You can throw out anything and, you know, it'll, it'll be kind of considered by the other ones. So, so there is that, um, foundation as well. But we, we actually welcome the prospect of the collaboration and saying, one of us says, what about this? The other says, oh, and what about this piece? And so we kind of build this together. And um, it's definitely done in, in, a, in a, and we never argue. It's, it's definitely much more a discussion of what would be better for the character. And if it doesn't work for one of us, we've agreed it doesn't work. I'm curious, you know, even, you know, both of you being in, you know, the, the book world for for so many years ahead of time um but this was such a new thing to take on with the wife between us uh you know the second time around while you were writing an anonymous girl did you feel more kind of confident that the process you were doing was was going to work or were did you have a pretty good feeling about it the first time around that you know what you were writing was was going to to be successful um when we started The Wife Between Us, I, I don't think either of us thought it was going to blow up the way that it did. I mean, it would have. I mean, I think we thought we had a really, really good idea, and we had, were having a great time writing it, and we started to feel we were really excited about it. But you know, to have been on the bestseller list for so many weeks, and it's back on now in paperback, and to have it be an option for film. I mean, these were this was like 
I think beyond our, you know, wildest expectations. Um, you agree, Sarah? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, well, I, I, maybe not beyond our wildest. I think we did have kind of like the dream that every author has. Like, what if, what if it did hit the bestseller list and stay there? And um, I think what, what surprised us was that we wrote the first act. We wrote about 140 pages and then a synopsis of the next two acts. And the book was sold that way. And it was optioned um, by Amblin, you know, on the basis of, of those pages and the outline. And then we started to hear it was being sold around the world. Um, so that was thrilling. That was such a rush that day, just to be getting kind of these calls that, that this is all happening. And, you know, it's so great to have each other to to go through the good times with, as well as, you know, when we're kind of struggling with the scene or we're worried, you know, we just written 50 pages, do they actually work? To have somebody be your business partner, your creative partner, you know, your sister from another mister is very rare. <laughs> <laughs> One person. Yeah. True. Okay, so I am, I'm going to have one of you guys or both of you guys do a kind of a plot about an anonymous girl. Because like I said, I'm about two-thirds of the way through. I feel like I'm holding my breath every single page. And I'm also, this is very much a book where I am terrified to explain the plot because I don't want you both to say, Adam, you've given away too much. So... Are either of you or both of you good yet with kind of the elevator pitch for this book? You do it, Sarah. You do it. Oh, we sure are. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we have the same um, kind of fear you do. We don't want to give away too much. But basically, An Anonymous Girl is the story of a young woman who is struggling in New York, struggling to kind of make her way, carrying a lot on her shoulders. She has a lot of financial worries. And one day she learns about a study being given by a professor, and the topic of the study is ethics and morality. It seems very simple. It's a computerized study. You go, you answer some questions, you get a few hundred bucks, and you're done. So she enters the classroom and begins answering questions on a computer. Very quickly, it seems as though the questions are being tailored specifically for her that the person on the other end asking them knows what she's thinking and knows what she's hiding. And then things start to get weird. Yeah, weird's a good word to describe it. That's that's a good <laughs> word. <laughs> um, there's a lot of psychology in this book, a lot of you know analyzing people's answers and responses and expectations and, and things of that nature. Is, I know that you both have a background in psychology, but, is, but was, do you, either of you or both of you have sort of a, a background in this like ethical psychology? I'm just interested in this particular aspect of you know, the mind and everything going on in this book. Sorry, I had to switch my headset and missed part of that question. I'm sorry. My AirPods oh, can cut out. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, okay. So, yeah, neither of us had a specific background in, you know, ethical psychology. But as you mentioned, we're both keenly interested in psychology. We both studied it in college. Um, Greer's mom was a therapist for many years. I actually did um, some studies, not not so much psychological studies, but through NIH when I was in college uh, to earn extra money. So we, we both bring to this a keen interest in psychology and one of our favorite parts of the process is researching different studies. We're con- when we're not writing together during the workday, we are, you know, um, in between other things like driving kids around and, you know, cooking dinner and all that. We're texting each other. Here's an article. What do you think about this study? 
what do you think about this picture? Does this photograph look like Jessica? Um, when we're together on tour, we're pointing out people on the street. Oh, Jeff would wear that skirt. <laughs> you know, Dr. Shields would do this. So um, it, I think it kind of springs more from a little bit of curiosity than our backgrounds. Man, uh, yeah, Dr. Shields has a lot. There's a lot to her. She's She has a lot of layers. I I literally, I'm like so afraid to talk about the plot of this book. I It's so... <laughs> So good, but something I will say to guy that I feel like I can kind of dance around is, um, you know, both in your first novel and in an Anonymous Girl, you guys seem to be fans of um, what's called like the Rashomon effect, where mm-hmm. people have these different. Yeah. Okay, I was making, I was thinking I was on the right path there, but you know, it's described as you know people have different interpretations of similar events. So what is it about that um, that sort of study and idea that? Uh, you guys think plays so well into writing stories because clearly it does. I I think we just again it goes back to our interest in psychology. Like we just are so um, intrigued by how you know different people perceive things in different ways and how kind of your time and memory affects even you know your own perceptions of something. If you ask your you know if you analyze. Uh, an experience when you were, you know, 20, how it differs from when you're 40. And I think it's something that everybody can relate to. So one of the things we, even though our plots can be, you know, they're certainly dramatic, we always want to have relatable characters. And I think anyone can relate to being in, you know, an experience where you think something happened one way and someone else thinks it happened, you know, a different way. I mean, even Sarah and I were just talking uh, um, earlier about like with lines in the book, one of us will say, "Oh, you wrote such a great line. This was so you know, smart of you." And the other one will say, "No, you wrote that line." <laughs> so even in our own experiences, we you know will come across our different perceptions of how something has occurred. I'm curious because with with both of your books in them being psychological thrillers, I've obviously people have compared them to Gone Girl and Girl on the Train and, and things of that nature. Did you do you know, like any like kind of market research beginning you know while you're beginning this process because obviously both of you being in in the book world for so long you're you know what's going to be popular and what's going to sell and things like that but did yeah. you actively kind of search for yeah. specific book beats and things like that before you start writing these stories? Um, um, yes and no. I think you know we we pulled out books that we really love. That was one of the first things we did. And so from our shelves, we were taking out books like, you know, Gone Girl and saying, you know, what about these books did we love? But in terms of like any kind of like, you know, calculation, oh, this is a a popular genre, we should write that. I don't think it's possible to do that. I think you really have to write what you love and what you kind of need to write and what is going to engage you every day for eight, 10 hours for a year and 400 pages, because if you don't have that passion for it, it's just going to feel false. And then... Agree. Okay. <laughs> um, something else that I, I really noticed about the way that you write this is it's almost like in, in Anonymous Girl, the chapters are kind of, to use a awful marketing term, they're, they're like snackable. They're really short and they make <laughs> you want to keep reading. I'm sorry. I know I hate that description. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but I, was that a specific, it's almost like you end each like, you know, five to seven, sometimes even two to three pages on this little mini cliffhanger. Was that, is that by design? Is that something that you, you know, you do to keep readers continuing to want to turn the next page? I mean, I think that was just the way that we, we, 
each scene, we felt like we, we t- tend to write kind of short scenes. And so I think we just used the amount of time that we felt like was necessary. And we wanted, obviously, we wanted it to be a page turner. And we, when we revise, we go through each chapter and say, is this the strongest opening line we can think of? And is this the strongest ending line we can think of? So we do want that, you know, that visceral palpable tension to keep people, to keep readers talk, turning the pages. But I don't think we ever sat there and said, you know, seven to eight pages is the right, you know, <laughs> amount for this for each particular chapter. Well, I will say you do every single chapter and those lines, I feel like every one of the lines at the end of each chapter, it's, it's always like, you know, you'll be all mine or like things where I'm just like, oh. yeah. you've got to say bum, bum, bum after the end of each one. <laughs> that's the trick. Honestly, you're joking, but I, that's absolutely true. That's exactly how oh. I feel. Like, I feel like every single one of them is like the end of like an episode of True Blood or something where it's like, it's all I can think of. Hey. So are these the types of books that you guys both read as well? Are you fans of psychological thrillers or do you tend to read sort of all across all genres? I'm just curious when you guys aren't writing what you what you try to read. Yeah, I think we both love to read. I think we do read a lot of psychological thrillers, but maybe not so much when we're um, in the thick of writing because we want to be really careful that we don't you know, sort of absorb somebody else's mm-hmm. voice. Um, so we, we, you know, we, we both read a ton and we're always saying, oh, you got to read this book, you got to read, you know, this book. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's probably, I definitely read a lot more fiction than nonfiction. Greer, would you say the same? Yeah, but I, I feel like I read it probably a smidge more nonfiction than, than you do. But, um, yeah, definitely more fiction. And I agree with Sarah, too. We're just very wary of, getting, you know, being either intimidated by someone's really terrific book or just having it kind of like through osmosis affect us. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that, made, yeah. that, that makes sense. Um, I'm curious because I'm, I'm sure, Sarah, you know, writing prior, you know, by yourself, it, you know, that can be, I hear office all the time say it can be a really lonely experience and, and Greer kind of the same thing when it comes to editing and being by yourself mm-hmm. so often. Does this feel like a much more, I mean, obviously it's more collaborative because you're not by yourself, mm-hmm. but does this process feel more enjoyable, I guess, just because you have another person to bounce ideas off of and work with, you know, every, every day? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It is very isolating to write on your own and, when we write together, it's not just the writing, it's the touring, it's, you know, looking at the cover and, and, you know, oh my gosh, you know, how do we feel about that? Like we share moments together, like, you know, when um, the bestseller lists come out, we're often on the phone together having a glass of wine, like, oh, are we going to be on there? You know, and we'll we'll have a toast, you know, across the cities to each other. So um, that part of it is, is so much more fun. And, and the writing together too, it, it just, we always say we're better together. We come up with things that seem greater than the sum of our parts when we're together. Greer, are you able to sort of take off your previous editor hat when you guys, you know, if you send in a, you know, a a first or second draft of this and then you get notes back from an editor, are you able to kind of disassociate yourself from the, the previous version of what you used to do every day and and not just say, no, 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 uh, we know what we're talking about and actually take those notes. I'm just curious, this has to be a, a unique experience to someone who used to yep. do all the editing and now you're on the other side of the table. Um, I We have the best editor. She is so 
smart, and um, she doesn't edit the way that I um, the way that I did. We have very different styles in how we um, share how we how we give our notes to authors. Um, but she is she's she's fantastic, and I'm extremely extremely grateful to her. Both of us are extremely grateful to us because she gives a fresh perspective and can come in. And no, I I love being edited and and um, and hearing what she has to say. It's been really fun. I mean, I loved being an editor, but I love being on the other side way more. And um, in terms of, you know, I've never written alone, but I think some people have said, do you miss going to an office? And I, I you know, I have Sarah, so it's not like I, I don't have, you know, all of those wonderful colleagues, but I just have Sarah every day to, like, you know, process about our days or talk about what's going on in the world or just to not, um, you, you know, to have to have someone you know, by my side, mm-hmm. metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, sometimes you're together. Sometimes you guys are together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that's so interesting. Okay, so towards the end of our podcast, we like to do um, what we call the Nerd Nine. They're just, we have nine kind of lighthearted questions. Um, it's usually, again, just one person, so they're a little bit more rapid fire, but I will <laughs> ask them for you guys, and then, um, Greer, I'll have you answer first, unless you get mad, and you, then we can make Sarah answer them first, but the first <laughs> one, <laughs> the first one is just, uh, what's the last book you guys finished reading? Oh, um, we both just, uh, My Sister, The Serial Killer, mm-hmm. um, w- which we picked up because of the provocative title, but we both couldn't put it down. We were just really swept up by the wry voice and the really fresh premise. I don't know if you've read it, but it's really good. I I have not, but a lot of people in our office have. Um, I'm just laughing because uh, you're answering for both of you. It's like you oh, guys I'm are... Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's it's because you guys both read it. It totally works. It's just funny. Like, you guys have kind of, you're like molding it. It's like my wife and I, we do that all the time because we've been like, like, we're always together. We now. Yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You're a hive mind at this point. I think I didn't understand the game if, you, if I was supposed to answer the first question and then Sarah, but you're going to ask us both the same questions? Yeah, I'll ask you both the same. Oh, God. Okay. But it's Sounds like that okay. was going to be the same answer for both of you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, what's your favorite place to read? And we'll say, Greer, you can go first. Oh, where, my favorite place to read? Yeah. Um, probably in my cozy bed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same, but what I will say is I love... Um, I love reading in unexpected places. And so, you know, that's one great thing about the Lydiac is that you can read anywhere, right? So if you're stuck waiting um, somewhere for half an hour, I love feeling like that time isn't wasted, that I can dive into a book then. I, listeners, I want you to know, I didn't tell them to do a Libby commercial, but they nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well done, Sarah. Yeah, good job. All right, Sarah, you can answer this one first. Um, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading as a child? Oh, gosh, so many. Um, the Nancy Drew books, Little Women. I still have all of my old Nancy Drew books. Um, so those I loved. I would go up into my treehouse in the backyard and just devour them. Greer, how about you? Um, Judy Bloom, Judy Bloom, Judy Bloom, and um, Harriet the Spy, which I still have my original tattered, tattered copy. I just sent Sarah actually a picture of it the other day because <laughs> it had come up for something. So those are probably, those are my great loves from when I was younger. Awesome. All right, Greer, you first. What's one place you want to travel that you have not yet been to? Ooh, good question. Um, that I've not yet been to. Um, I 
Australia with my family. Mm -hmm. I would love to go there. Um, That would require a big chunk of time. So um, probably not going to happen in the near future, (laughs) but that would be a great trip. That's true. Sarah, how about you? And I'm going to say Venice. Oh, it just seems so romantic and beautiful. I would love to go there. Nice. Um, How about a favorite holiday for both you guys? Uh, Sarah, you can go first. Oh, favorite holiday. Let's say St. Patrick's Day. It's fun. You drink green beer. It's it's awesome. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just going to say, Sarah, that is my least favorite holiday. So we have found a, very, <laughs> a huge difference between us. I hate St. Patrick's Day. Sorry. Hilarious. Sorry to anyone. I've probably offended a million people by saying that. Okay. Um, my favorite holiday is um, Thanksgiving, for sure, because my family, and we're always together with my brother's family and my parents and often my husband's family as well. Well, um, Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Um, coffee or tea? I'm guessing, I can probably guess for both of you, but Greer? Uh, well, it's always coffee is first thing in the morning, and then I move on to tea. But I would say coffee if I have to pick coffee. Okay. How about you, Sarah? Yeah, I would say tea, and especially at night. I love a good cup of herbal tea, winding down reading. See, I was going to guess you would both say tea because there's some tea things in the book, and I was just... <laughs> Um, okay, so cats or dogs then, because this is also something in the book. Oh, Sarah? Dogs. Um, I love both, but uh, I just adopted a new rescue dog a couple oh. weeks ago, and I've always been a dog lover. Awesome. Greer, how about you? Dog, dogs, 100%. I have two dogs. Um, actually, they're both out right now because we would never get through this podcast if they were here. They're so noisy. Yeah, I, um, I can I can appreciate that. But I also bark a lot. I have, I have to record these all at our office. Uh-huh. Um, okay, favorite food? Uh, Sarah. Ooh, Thai food. Ooh, Love Thai food. Nice. How about you, Greer? I would say Italian. I was going to laugh if you were like corned beef. Just something no. really... Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm really not. <laughs> um, and then the last one of these, uh, Guru, you can go first. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Oh, this is so cliche, but I'm going to say Michelle Obama. Um, because I just bought her book, and that, I think that would be really amazing. Cool. I'll say, not, I'll say uh, Truman Capote um, in Cold Blood really informed uh, my direction in journalism, and I would love to pick his brain. That is a that is the first Truman Capote we've gotten. I like that. We've gotten we've gotten more Michelle Obamas than Barack. I will say that. So it's mm. I, not that it surprises me. I, I mean, as as cool as Barack seems, Michelle just seems that much better. So I, yeah. I understand. <laughs> um, She's amazing. Yeah. All right. I will I let either of you guys answer this one. But last question for you: What do you hope readers take away from reading *An Anonymous Girl*? Um, well. One thing I think we really aimed to do was to give the reader a really immersive experience where they felt like they were participating in these um, ethics and morality um, um, questions, you know, much like Jessica did. So I hope that they take away that kind of creepy, eerie feeling. That's a perfect answer. Yeah, I would say that too. And just, you know, a great entertaining read that also makes you think long after you've finished the book. That's Perfect. Greer, Sarah, we're in three different places, but I feel like we made this work. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.